1: Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Ron Geyer
0: back with End Time Insights. I'm so excited. Uh, Last week, we talked about the two Americas that are in conflict right now. And we related that to the election, the election results that are going on. I told you last week, uh, I am certain President Trump won in the natural realm through the legal votes. And that's what they've been doing. The Giuliani team, uh, the other lawyers that President Trump has throughout the last week or two they've been putting a team together, gathering evidence to bring to justice those that have attempted to steal the election. The Bible says all things are open before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. God knows what's going on. God is using it for his glory. And the more the church can engage in this on the realm of spirituality by praying and decreeing and interceding, the more we can go ahead and do that by asserting our authority in the realm of the spirit by. restraining the wicked one and interceding for the things that these lawyers and making sure that they come before judges, men and women of righteousness rather than corrupt people. I believe God's judging them. I believe, you know, judgment begins at the house of God. If God's going to judge the world, to me... That means he's going to start with America. America has been the home of gospel light. We have been used by God for righteousness for years, but that's changed now, and that's changed, unfortunately, on the watch of the church. But as long as we are here, we have opportunity to take that back. We have opportunity to fix that, and that's why I'm doing this show. I want to encourage you. And the best thing I can do is I can tell you get started in your own prayer group. I I am not bragging on us. I am just telling you we have been praying as a home group back since April. Uh, We have anywhere from six to 12 people show up. It was an exciting time. That has birthed a prayer group in our church. I firmly believe I'm not taking credit for it. I'm just saying that the passion that we had for prayer to fight for our nation, it was caught by our leadership team. They have now 30, 35 people show up on a Saturday night for intercessory prayer at the church. Before that, they could never get more than six or eight or 10. I'm excited for that. So I see God moving, but the key for me, I believe, two things, prayer and obedience. As we obey God, he can use us. Our prayers can be answered. And don't quit. Don't get disgruntled. Don't look at what's happening. I know that I know that I know that the church is going out of here glorified. I know that I know that I know that we're not going to be a weak church. We're not going to be on our knees. We're not going to be subject to the rules of Satan, even though a lot of our churches are still kowtowing to the rules and the ungodly assault by the other America, the false America into our churches. We've got to stand strong for that. We can't give in. The church cannot be cowardly. The church cannot be backtracking. We're the ones that are supposed to be leading by example to show them what freedom looks like. So we have got to get that working out. Some churches are making strides slowly but surely. Some churches are stuck in neutral. Some churches are going backwards. You know, God knows the wheat from the tares. You are required to know the wheat from the tares as well. Uh, Hebrews talks about it, that through constant use of your study of the Word of God, by constant use of the Word of God, you have your senses exercised to discern the difference between right and wrong, good and evil. So today is part two, The Two Americas, and yes, this is a call to arms. It's not a call to arms by Ron and Diane, but it's a call to arms by the Spirit of God, the Lord himself. The church has been created for warfare, not just witnessing. Did you get that? Yes, we love to witness, but the church has been created for warfare just as much. I'm going to prove that to you. The church has been summoned to battle, not just in defense of men's souls, but in defense of men's freedoms as well. That is so good. I gotta read it again. The church has been created for warfare, not just for witnessing. The church has been summoned to battle, not just in defense of men's souls, but in defense of men's freedoms as well. We don't live here, you and I, in Russia. We don't live in Israel. We are not the new Israel. We are America. The church is not the new Israel. The church is the church. The body of Christ. God has placed us in America to demonstrate, just like he tried to do with Israel. He tried to demonstrate how much he loves the people, how he could bless them. Unfortunately, they rejected him, they sinned, and the biggest part of their demonstration of who God is to us is through their judgments. Well, the same thing happens to America. We floated through righteousness the first hundred years or so, but at the end of the day, we've gone the way of all flesh. We have rejected God. But Now, in these last days, the last of the last days, we are coming back to him. We are vibrant. We are praying. We are moving forward. If you don't get with the program, God's going to move forward without you. You know, you don't teach a class based on the speed of learning of your slowest student. That holds the entire class back, and God's not going to allow that happen to the church. God is moving the church forward in the fire and the power and the demonstration of who he is through the church. We come not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but we come in the demonstration of the spirit of God and power that men's faith would not rest in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. Remember, Jesus baptized us not just in the Holy Ghost. He baptized us in the Holy Ghost and fire. That fire has been missing, but I believe it's resurging through prayer in Jesus' name. First Timothy 1.18. This is Timothy writing to Paul, his young charge, the leader of the church at Ephesus. And Timothy was doing really well. The church was doing well. It was growing. Then persecution really started up. Nero upped it. And Domitian, they upped it, the emperors of Rome, and they really started targeting the church. And it was amazing. I was reading a letter. Where was it? Rick Renner wrote a book, and it's Life in the Combat Zone. And he was talking about this letter that was written by a high government leader during Timothy's time, and he wrote it to the emperor. And in this letter that he wrote, they actually had a copy of the letter and it was printed in this book. And he was talking about the fact that when he was dealing with the Christians, that like the Christian that would renounce Christ, they would let him go. The Christian that was in between, they would lock him up. The Christian that was unwilling to bend, they'd kill them. And it was just a matter of record. He was writing this as if he was telling you about the biggest fish he caught. These are what was going on in Timothy's day. And unfortunately, the majority of the people that were being persecuted were denying Christ. And I mean, denying Christ, you had to renounce him. You had to spit on something. I mean, it was really just a sacrilegious, just profane denouncing of who Jesus Christ was. And unfortunately, we lost many many, many to that persecution. 1 Timothy one eighteen. So this is the setting in which Paul is writing to Timothy. 1 Timothy one eighteen. this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on you, that by these prophecies you might wage a good warfare. So Paul is telling Timothy, hey, You are supposed to be fighting. You are supposed to be engaging the enemy. You are in a battle. And he says, I'm telling you this because the prophecies which went before on you also helped you to fight this battle. Paul tells Timothy that the prophecies which were given him were given him for the purpose of him being able to fight, to defend the faith. America, we're a different kind of animal. We're not the same. We bear the blessings of Abraham that Israel rejected. Just as we are an end-time people, America was birthed as an end-time nation. I so you that last week. A most specific talent given by God for his purpose as a gift and a responsibility to the church, us, the church. While we may suffer extreme persecution, nonetheless, we are required to defend the talents that the Lord dishes out. We will do just fine without America. But America, on the other hand, will die without the church. I'm not willing to see that happen. Patriots in the past gave their lives. They pledged their lives, their fortunes, their sacred honor to the building of the nation. They were willing to die for it. We don't have that yet. And yet I don't understand it because Jesus says unless a man loses life, he's not going to find it. I mean, there's so many things that are worse than dying. Living in fear is one. Living with disease is another living in depression. I mean, there are things that are worse than dying. Look at the bright side. (laughs) If you're a Christian and you die, you're going to be in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. We had a friend of a friend that recently passed away, a young man, 46 years old. And he'd been battling, needed a kidney, He needed a heart. And it was just very tough for him. And a week before he died, he told his sister that, hey, man, I can't do this anymore. And he was hurting. He was weeping. And he just said, hey, I either have got to go be with Jesus or I got to be healed. I can't, I can't live like this. And praise the Lord, the Lord answered both prayers. He healed him and he took him home. I love it. I love it. He's no longer in pain. He's in the presence of God and he's healthy. So praise the Lord. God answers prayers, not how we think he does, but in the way that he seems that it's best for our benefit. Here, Paul is telling young Timothy, hey, you got a battle on your hands. Don't quit. He's telling the church, don't quit. We have got to defend our nation. Galatians 3.14, that the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So we are living under the blessings that God wanted to give to the Jews through Abraham. Okay, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Christ, that we, the church, might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So we've got the blessings regarding the Holy Spirit of God, but there were so many more blessings that God wanted to give to Israel that the church is partaking of. Unfortunately, too long, we have abused these blessings. We have misunderstood blessings. We have used blessings to acquire things for ourselves. We didn't understand that blessings from God also included, get this, the gift of being able to fight for our freedom. Being able to fight for your freedom in America is a gift from God. You can't do this in Afghanistan. You can't do this in Korea. You can't do this in China. It's a gift being able to to offer your life on the altar in the battlefield for the sake of the freedom of others. It's a great gift. And it's part of the blessings that God offers us here. God also included the gift of being able to fight for our freedoms, not just carnally, but spiritually as well. We are interceding and praying for people right now that we don't know, but we know what they need. And we are calling on God to go ahead and reveal his greatness, his goodness to them, that they might walk in the blessings of Abraham as well. We didn't realize that those blessings included also the gift of grace to suffer for Christ like the disciples did. Suffering for Christ is a gift. It's a blessing. And yet we don't teach that. We don't talk about that. Why? Because that'll send people away and we won't be able to collect any money from them in our offerings. And we won't be able to build a bigger building to house a better facility so that we can say we're growing as a church. God never called us to grow the church. He'll do that. He told you to grow the saints. You grow the saints, he'll grow the church. Ooh, that is so good. The sloppy agape love that has dominated the recent church teaching has also deterred us from the combat needed to defend America. The church, the gospel, and the cross. We're supposed to be defending all of this, but we don't know how to defend anything, man. We're just stuck on this hyper grace. We're stuck on this false love. We're stuck on this we cannot offend anybody. Philippians 117, Paul writing about some of the Christians that were giving him a hard time in Rome because they were preaching the gospel for other reasons than he was, but the other out of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. Are you set for the defense of the gospel? What are you set for the defense of? Are you willing to lay down your life for your family? Are you willing to lay down your life for your children? How about for Christ? When? When? Not if. When persecution comes to America that's going to deprive you, perhaps of your freedoms, perhaps of your job, perhaps of your home, are you willing to lay down your life in defense of that? Or will you be like the early Christians in Ephesus that sacrificed their salvation for some temporary comfort? Mm. Paul often spoke about us as saints using military terms. I'm sure you're aware of that. Here, in this scripture, he says he is set. For the defense. He knows he's going to be attacked, yet he announces he will defend the gospel. I love it. He's not going to defend his home. He's going to defend the gospel. He's going to defend something that's spiritual. He's going to defend something that has eternal value. You know, he announces he's going to defend the gospel, and yet we here in America, we give it up so easily. We alter it. We water it down. We rarely tell people the whole gospel because it may offend them. Well, You know, if that's you, you may as well turn back because the gospel is the only thing that gets people saved, delivered, and healed. Remember, you don't solve spiritual problems with carnal solutions, and that's exactly what the church has been trying to do. That's got to change now. The church must exert not just its influence, the church must exert God's holy power over the sphere of spiritual wickedness in America. That wickedness, we spoke of it earlier, It's visited us here. It's probably dominating spirit in America right now. And, you know, like with President Trump, there are many ways we try to defend him carnally. You know, because the church has been absent, Trump is fighting off carnal attacks. He's also fighting off spiritual attacks because the church has been absent. It's an unbalanced assault. It's not an even war. It's Trump against the rest of the world, both in the carnal sense and in the spiritual sense. Now, I know he's got cabinet people that are praying. I know there is a lot of prayer going for him in Washington, D.C. Thank you, Lord. And I know God himself has a great anointing upon President Trump. And it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. It is my personal belief. It is the anointing upon President Trump in the office of presidency to keep him from assassination, to keep him from accident, to keep him from harm, to keep him from the assaults, from discouragement, from depression of all of these demon forces that are surrounded against him. It's been a miraculous job. And now we have the opportunity to defend him in the realm of the spirit. This election stuff has really been a clarion call to the church to wake up. You know, I'm excited. I don't think about the church like a lot of people do. I know what the Bible says. I know we are going to be a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. I don't know if that's before we leave the earth. I don't know. But I believe the church is going out on top. And this is my own theory. By going out on top, I mean I believe we're going to be raptured when we're doing well. Not because we're stuck in a corner or some weak-kneed bride-to-be waiting for someone to come rescue us on a shiny white horse. That is not the church. That's not Christianity. That's not Bible. Okay, we're going out on top, and I mean that. Because, you know, we talk about the rapture of the church, and then we talk about in that scripture the fact that the Antichrist has a time when he's going to be revealed. Remember Second Thessalonians 2? The church, the Holy Spirit through the church is restraining him right now. He is not allowed to be revealed while the Holy Spirit in the church is here. And I love that because it's not going to look like, okay, the Antichrist is coming. Time to get the church out. No, that's backwards. It's okay. The church is doing so great, man. They are holding him back. They are doing fabulous. We better get the church out of here because I need the Antichrist to manifest in the earth so I can do the judgments that I need to do to offer one final opportunity for salvation. God has to get the church out of here. Otherwise, the Antichrist is never going to be allowed to show up. I love that. I think that's so important. Okay, let me give you some scriptures here. I want to talk about wickedness, Ephesians six twelve, because that's what we're facing. At the end of the day, these people that have lied and tried to steal the election, these people that are preventing the evidence from coming forth, these people that are sitting in positions of judicial authority—they are wicked people. Just like God anoints His people, Satan anoints His people. Ephesians six twelve: For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Okay, that's so important to us. Our battles in the spirit. I don't hate Biden. I don't hate Clinton. I don't hate, what's his name, Schiff. I don't hate any of these people. Uh, What's her name? Uh, What's the lady, Biden's vice president to be, supposedly? Kamala Harris. We don't hate them. My fight's not with them. My fight is over the spirits that are controlling their lives. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle against four classes here. Principalities. We wrestle against powers, we wrestle against the rulers of darkness of this world, and we wrestle against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's where we wrestle. And that word wrestle, is like a contact term, like it's a physical, wrestling is a physical type of contact, but it's hands-on. Well, that's what Paul is saying here. We are having a hands-on duke out with the devil. We are endeavoring in our personal prayer group to do a better job of the spiritual warfare. Wrestle is a term that implies close grappling, hand-to-hand combat, a very intimate form of combat. That also implies there is no shrinking away from this assignment. Notice Paul didn't say, I wrestle. He said, we wrestle. That's you and me. And that's the point he's trying to make. Notice also he says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against, against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness, against spiritual wickedness. He uses the word against for each. And he could have said we wrestle against flesh and principalities, powers, rulers, uh, spiritual awakenings. No, he put against in front of each one. It's just being used for emphasis. You are fighting these people. You are wrestling these people. You are resisting these people. We are trying to do this in our prayer group. We are looking to defend the truth. That's what we're trying to do in America. You know, uh, somebody said that the greatest need in America right now is hope. no. That is a need. It's not the greatest need. The biggest thing that America needs is truth. We have been living off lies. We have been living lies. That is why the false America has made such inroads. But no, we say, stop, false America. You may not. You may not come into our churches when your church is honoring the unconstitutional mandates by your mayor or your governor or your county attorney. You are allowing that false America place in your church. You cannot do that. You cannot cower in fear when the devil says, bow, you will burn. So that's why we remind you, let the real America, what's the real America look like? I told you last week, it's where righteousness is exalted. It's where truth is on display. It's where faith replaces fear. He didn't even make it seem as if that was something unusual when he told us about wrestling these wickedness. He stated it simply that it's a fact of your daily living saints. You are in a war and you are in daily hand-to-hand combat against four enemies, against principalities and powers. Those are the highest level of satanic and satanic rank. Then come the rulers of darkness of this world and That is talking about demon forces in the high heavenlies. And yes, I also take that to mean spiritual wickedness in high positions in the government, spiritual wickedness in our judiciary, spiritual wickedness in our state government, in our national government. That is the spiritual wickedness. And we're supposed to be fighting against them. He also settles it once and for all. The five cents realm, mankind is not our enemy. We must remember that as we go forward. We don't hate these people. They're deceived just like we were at one time. And you can pray for them if you want. I am too busy praying for the body of Christ that's wounded. I don't have time for the enemy's combatants as they're dragged off the field. Maybe God puts that on somebody's heart to pray for them. Once in a blue moon, I pray for Hillary. I don't know that I prayed for Biden. I do pray for Kamala Harris because she is surrounded by demon forces. She is deaf held captive by Satan. He does tell us, though, that there are the four classes of demonic adversaries. Colossians 2.15, this is so important. We're dealing with the first demonic adversary, and that is principalities and powers. And so what does he say in Colossians 2.15? And having spoiled principalities and powers, what? He made a show of them openly, triumphing over that. So, I love this. Paul identifies for us the four classes of demon forces that we're wrestling against. And then in Colossians, he tells us, oh, by the way, Jesus has already defeated principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly. The whole world is able to see that Jesus defeated principalities and powers. I think everybody knows that except the church. Let me read it. And having spoiled principalities and powers, Jesus made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it. He actually disarmed principalities and powers at the cross. Well, gee, Harry, what are we waiting for? Just cross them off the list. That doesn't mean they won't try to assault you. That doesn't mean you don't have to resist them, but you do appropriate the promises of God. For me, if there was a higher up principality coming after me on a personal level, I'm reading him Colossians 2. And Jesus spoiled you and he made a show of you. He showed everybody. He showed me and he triumphed over you. Get behind me, Satan, you lying demon. Go far from my borders. Here we see that Jesus already defeated them and he made a public display of their shame. Awesome. Ephesians 1, 20 21 tells us that Jesus is enthroned in heaven far above principalities and powers. Next comes the rulers of darkness. Satan may be the ruler of the darkness of this world, but we are the children of light. Okay, get that. He is the rulers of darkness. Well, we don't live in darkness. We are children of light. So he may rule the darkness, but he has no power over me. So half of the things that we are fighting against, we already have the victory over. If Satan is a ruler of the darkness and you are a child of light, guess what? He is not your ruler. Satan keeps taking more ground and we keep retreating further and further back. We have got to get this stuff settled. We have got to get this stuff once and for all out in public. This is what we need to be teaching on Sunday morning. I don't need another faith lesson while you go ahead and you shut down church because you're scared of the devil and you come back and you teach me about faith. Thank you. No, teach me spiritual warfare. Teach me about truth teach me about the Holy Ghost and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Teach me about the power of God when I obey him. Teach me how to suffer. Teach me how to face persecution. Teach me the truth about who Jesus Christ was, what he did for me, the freedoms that I've got because of who he is, and help me to walk in the spirit of God that I will be a better witness for the kingdom of God. So. We'll stop here. I'm going to pick up on spiritual warfare when we come back next week. I want you to know we love you. We appreciate you listening. I think you guys are great. Have a great week.
1: We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net.